29, or I'm sorry, 20. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned, so he's starting, to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Now, notice in verse um, 24, and it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And we looked all at, at all of the implications of that last week and the complexity of, his, of, of why God would maybe be looking to kill Moses in the midst of promising him, promise, promising to use him in the, minute, in the mission. So again, different message for a different time, previous time. What I'm trying to point out here is Aaron meets him in the Mount of God. That means Moses is still at the beginning of his journey. Moses is not yet back to Egypt. It's very clear in verse uh, 27. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. And he went and met him in the Mount of God and kissed him. So Moses had a day or two under his belt from the wilderness had gotten back to, if you will, the Mount of God when he in, encounters Aaron. Aaron has done, if you will, 13 days walking. And Moses has done a couple of days walking. I think that's interesting. Why? Because God has sent Aaron to meet Moses even before he was threatening to kill him. Wow. Even before, even before God had an assurance from Moses and Zipporah that they were going to do the right thing, last week's lesson, circumcising their second son, God was so sure that Moses would, would or his family would be obedient to the mission and to the call that two weeks before he started Aaron on a journey. Ballpark. I don't know the deets. Like, it could be off a little bit, but what I know is that God was moving in Aaron before he had assurance that Moses was going to be faithful from Moses. Like, God's not bound by time. He knew what was going to happen. Okay? He knew it. So what's this tell us about God's timing? Look at this in John 1, 47 through 50. I think this is pretty cool. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom, there, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And, you know, how do you know me? And, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, you know, before Philip said, Hey, you should come meet Jesus, the Messiah. When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to why Nathanael said that. The general consensus is that Nathanael was praying in his heart to God. Right? That he was communing alone with God and only God would have seen him. Right? That's why his reaction. Jesus answered and said, Because I said unto thee, I saw, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater thing than these, boy. <laughs> like, you thought, you thought me working in your life a couple of days ago for this was a big deal? Just you wait and see. Aaron, Moses, you think me working to connect you guys in the midst of this, in the midst. It is, it is every bit conceivable that Aaron started his journey before the burning bush scenario. It's very conceivable. Like, I'm not dogmatic about it. Somebody can prove me wrong. But it is conceivable that God was working in Aaron 
before the timeline of God working in Moses. Wow. Wow. So victory principle number one. <coughs> Excuse me. God is already at work and actually has been regarding your tomorrow. Whatever you're going to be partaking in tomorrow and next week, the Lord's already been working on that. When we were preparing to go to Toronto, many of you know I led a trip to Toronto. And on our second, third meeting, this is back maybe January, February time frame, I said the Lord knows right now who we're going to run into in May. He's literally already working as a beautiful conductor, not like all aboard conductor, but a conductor of getting all the pieces to play so that the right people interacted with us at the right time. The guy that was in the park that we ministered to, who was there on a layover from his, his job, he lives in Vancouver and stopped in Toronto because of his work and had a day free and ends up sitting in a park and people walk by and say, hey, we're going to have a Bible study, you want to join us? Like another guy who was there temporarily out of, from Nairobi who had, who had been struggling with what God was doing in his life and walks, wants to get a picture of the city in a very specific spot. Oh, by the way, we wanted to get the same picture and interacts with Joshua Hora and boom, they start, start talking and the Lord uses that. Like that is, the, most people call or a lot of people call those divine encounters, divine appointments. Like we were talking with our kids I think was it on vacation? I felt like it was. We were talking about how the brushes with people that you don't even know, you know, the person that, you know. I don't know if you if you heard this this story, but it's a beautiful story. There was a a, a guy and a gal who had gotten married, and they're I think they were both they're they're European. I think they were both from England. They were European, and the gal. So they've been married a couple of years. They look. They go over to her parents' house. And they're looking through old photographs of her family when she was a little girl, six, seven, eight, ten years old. They were at the beach having a good time. Dad takes a picture. The man she marries, also a little boy, is in the background. He's like, that's me. That's my family. Like, we don't even, we can't even comprehend the way God is working these things. He's already working today and has been for your tomorrow. Do not forget that. Do not. You will think, God, what are you, what are you thinking? Didn't, you know, Michelle, I, we didn't ask for prayer, but Michelle was rear-ended this week, which means it was not her fault. She was not going in reverse. <laughs> she was rear-ended this week, just down the, down the street. It was, it, was, it was conveniently in the car I generally drive. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and the trunk doesn't open, but well, it'll all work out. It'll all work out. But the Lord knew that interaction, the guy that hit her was having like the worst day of his life, probably. He said it was his third accident. I'm not sure what was going on there. That day, one of them was, it was a, it was a company vehicle. I think he was in over his head, but, <coughs> but, no, but, but. But the Lord had Michelle here for a meeting 
that meeting ended at just the right time for Michelle to be just in front of him so that when he hit her as compared to somebody else, Michelle ministered to him and talked to him about his, his needs for eternity. Like, the Lord's at work. Don't second guess. Don't second guess it. Okay, so this brings a struggle. The struggle is, and the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went, and I added, this part is the struggle, and met him in the Mount of God. So, another fun story from the Dobson household. We were on vacation. I don't know what year it was, but Manning is a baby. Marshall is very young. Manning's... What? Yes, Mount Vernon. So we were in D.C. We went to D.C. and we did the, you know, did the touristy thing. So we go to Mount Vernon, right? George Washington's home. And I don't remember the details. I'm pretty sure it was her fault. But we got separated. I couldn't find... How long was it? A couple hours? There were a couple hours where I had the boys and we couldn't find her. Now this was... Obviously, a while ago. I don't remember what the deal was with cell phones. <coughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's what it was. She had, like, maybe gone to the restroom, and I went around a different way. And, I mean, it, like, you would have thought we were lost at the Grand Canyon together <laughs> or something. Because, like, <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, yes. I, I, was, I, was like, I was like that sheep that was like, oh, there's something over here that's fun to look at. And then, oh, there's something here. And next thing you know, like, she couldn't find us. And, uh, yeah. So my point is, I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Vernon, but it's not that big of a place. And we couldn't find each other for hours. <laughs> Moses and Aaron. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen. Don't miss this, please. Moses doesn't even know Aaron's coming, necessarily. Aaron doesn't know for sure Moses wants him. And they got to find each other in that. This is Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. I did an approximation. It would be equivalent, the area, that wilderness and the area, if you had like maybe four or so Grand Canyons. I don't know if you've been to the Grand Canyon. It's bigger than Mount Vernon. (laughs) It's got all these rocks and trails and like, and you could yell... And somebody not all that far away wouldn't hear you. So it's not like he could walk over here and be like, Moses, Moses. No, no, it's probably, no. From, from here, uh, I probably should have gotten another. Yeah, this, like, um, you could see somebody on this probably if they were standing there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody was standing in this area, they'd be a little speck, but you'd, you'd see them. So, but, but it's not just like, oh, by the way, Aaron doesn't even know what the Mount of God is, by the way. He wasn't at the burning bush scenario, so it wasn't like he had a GPS and pinned it and went back to that same spot. All right? So we can't miss that these two guys met in what's approximately the size of four Grand Canyons, when neither of them for sure knew the other one was looking for him. All right? So, that leads us to a question. Aaron was faithful either to a clear direction from God, or 
He was following a step-by-step leading. So we're going to take a few minutes here, and we're going to look at some examples. On your page, <coughs> on your page, you have some columns, left and right column. I'm going to put up a verse, and you're going to write that verse or the story or whatever on the one side or the other that you think it is, whether you think it's a specific leading or whether you think it's a, a step-by-step leading. Notice Genesis 12, 1 and 7. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built it an altar to the Lord who appeared unto him. So Abram had to go on a journey. Was this a very specific go to this place or was it a step-by-step leading? Step-by-step leading. So that'd be on your right side. The next one, Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, and saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Step-by-step leading or very specific leading? Very specific leading, right? Go to Nineveh, where they slap each other with fish, right? Some of you know that story. Very specific. Veggie tales, if anybody, yeah. That was why they were bad, bad people, as they slapped each other with fish. So. It's a cute way. Okay, Acts 16, bear with me here. Acts 16, 6 through 12. Now, when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, they were, not, uh, they were come to Mysia. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering uh, that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. Step by step or specific? I think it's a little of both. The first half of this is very kind of step by step. I mean, they're trying here and the door's closed. They're trying here's the door's closed. Trying here's the door's closed. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, focus. This is where you're going. So it's a little of both, I would argue, right? This is meant to be an exercise, not like a doctrinal dissertation, okay? All right. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Clear direction? Clear direction? I don't know. Where, where, what's the address or the GPS location of the uttermost parts of the earth? I would argue a little of both. Don't you hate it when teachers and instructors say, is it this or this, and then they go, it's a little of both? Yeah. Just don't throw anything at me and bear with me. It's okay if you're seeing a little of both on these, on some of these. Because the Lord does that. In some cases, he will say, Judea, or yeah, Judea, Samaria. And then from there, the apostles went all different directions, didn't they? So initially, the first few steps were very specific. And then from there, the Lord started leading through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. A step-by-step direction. Are you with me? You tracking? So, some now Old Testament references on principles. A man's heart divides it this way, but the Lord directed the steps. 
think that's, I hope that's an easy one. Step by step, right? Softball. You can throw it right up there and then just hit it. All right, putting these on a tee. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Well, is it? I would say step by step. Even though you have a way, the steps are guided, right? Or are uh, ordered, right? So there should be, hopefully, a little bit of room left. What are some other biblical stories or verse references that you all might think of that support one side of this or the other? Yes. Well, maybe it was a specific command and then either he allowed the spirit to lead Adam or Adam decided, but the Lord endorsed it. Right. So I, I don't know because there's not maybe enough detail in that, but on whether or not the, but it says whatever, whatever Adam called it was the name thereof. So maybe it's a little step by step. Yeah. The mission or the job was maybe specific, right? He didn't get to name the dandelions, but he did get to name the aardvark. Okay? Uh, Noah and the ark. That's what I thought of. Okay, so I need you to build this really big boat because it's going to rain. What's rain? I just need you to build this really big boat that will house enough representative sample of all genetic representative sample of all the animals. Okay. Can you go into a little more detail? Yes. I'll give you specific dimensions and I'll give you also the wisdom to be able to do it. So it's a little of both, right? He gave them very specific. It's going to be this many cubits by this many cubits by this many cubits. And you're going to build it out of this kind of wood and you're going to do it this way. You're going to put pitch on the inside and out if memory serves, right? But then also Moses, or Moses, I do that all the time. Noah had to be the one that actually joined boards together. And so there's a little bit of a specific, but a little bit of a step-by-step leading of the Holy Spirit, how things worked, right? Yes, Des. Well, yeah, so when Jesus says, go ye, right? Yeah, when Jesus sends the, the masses out, He's, and, and maybe another example of that, if you remember the disciples, not just the 12 disciples, but the 70 were sent out two by two. So there's at least some reason to believe where they were sent or the direction they were sent was specific. But he says, if you come to a town and they don't receive you, wipe the dust off and keep moving. So there would clearly be a step-by-step direction of the Holy Spirit as well. Is this tracking? Any other ideas? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Joseph being, like, sold into slavery. Yep. For sure. Because he didn't sit Joseph down and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go into Egypt and you're going to be number two in the kingdom. It's going to be a little rough from now to then. But just try Okay. It was very step-by-step because he stayed in connection with Joseph. 
the communion of the with the Lord was continual so that Joseph saw the events I think it says something to the effect of what you intended for evil the Lord intended for good Joseph had learned that those steps that he took were of the Lord great sorry I keep skipping you I'm sorry uh, clear direction, watch and pray. Watch and pray, clear direction, right? So he's specifically saying, open your eyes to right now and see what's going on around you. Watch and rea- react or respond to that in prayer. Yeah, good. Clear, yeah, I would say clear direction, right? Because he's not just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Well, I don't know. Maybe the Lord will leave me. No, you're specifically supposed to pray. So do you see, I don't know which Aaron, which it was with Aaron. Like, I don't know if the Lord gave him, he's like, you're going to see a star in the east, right? That was one that I thought some people might, might throw out there, right? So the wise men were, had a very clear destination. So we don't know how God led even like he did the nation of Israel, which I thought might be another one, which is a little bit of both, right? Because there's a cloud of, uh, a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud, right? That didn't sound right coming out of my head. So, so, right? So it's a little bit like follow that, but it's also a step-by-step because of where it's going, right? So we don't know if Aaron, which, what Aaron had. We don't know the directions that Aaron received, but what we do know is he found Moses, that's amazing. That's amazing. Victory principle number two. Following the Lord's leading requires listening to him. Because either one of those scenarios, step by step, or a clear destination, requires you listening to the Lord. And, and I've thought about this over the last few days as I was preparing this message. I'm not sure which is easier. I'm really not sure. Like if God said, Mitch, you're going to, in, in two years, you're going to be here. I might be like, no way. Right? That might be hard, even though it's clear. Sometimes the step-by-step is a little easier because you can start to hone in on the picture. I, they're both difficult. They both require faith. They're both easy because they require faith and God's involved. Like it doesn't matter, but either one requires us listening to the Lord. All right, so the victory. Y'all need to listen a little faster. So <clears throat> the victory. So our whole passage, and the Lord said to Aaron, go in the wilderness to meet Moses. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he went, and he met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord, which had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the, children, or all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the, the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that he had looked upon their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Now, I think this is kind of interesting because this, is, this reunion, I've called it a wonderful reunion of Moses and Aaron. Brother, it's been a minute. How you doing? You will never believe what God just got done telling me. Actually, I kind of would believe it because he sent me and got me right here to meet up with you. I actually do think so that they were prepared. But notice, notice they kissed 
And I put out of emotion. And he, at the end of verse 27, and he went and met him in the Mount of God and kissed him. Like, that's an, an emotional connection, right? I was going to put a picture of Michael Scott and Oscar, Oscar, I don't remember, from The Office, where that one scene where Michael wants to make it right because he's been a little homophobic and he kisses Oscar and Oscar's like, right? It's not that kind of kiss. It's not that kind of kiss. Matter of fact, I'm just going to make it awkward. It's that kind of kiss. All right? Aw. I mean, it's not... Now, look. We're not, we're not like... We're not weirded out. We're not weirded out. We're not... We're not weirded out on that, are we? Are we? Are we? Yeah. But it's still a kiss comes out of emotion, right? Now notice, notice these. Esau does it in Genesis 33. Esau runs. To, so we've been studying this, right? If you've been coming to church, you've been following along on the story of Genesis. Like Esau's pretty mad at Jacob for what he did. But after all these years go by, when they reconnect, and, and we're going to see that in the next few chapters, Jacob's super worried about this connection and like sends people ahead and keeps some of his folks back so that when they run into Esau, he doesn't kill them all. And he's like hedging. And when he sees Esau, or Esau sees Jacob, like he kisses him because he's his brother. He loves him. In Genesis uh, 45... Joseph kisses all his brethren and wet, weeps, wept upon them. Like, like that's, that's one of the most beautiful stories, I think, that doesn't get a lot of play in Scripture. When Joseph is so overcome with emotion that he has to, like, take himself and kind of go, I don't remember the specific wording, but he has to kind of hide himself so that he can just get his emotions under control because he loves his brethren, even though they tried to kill him. We also see in... In 50, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. We see, a, we see in the New Testament, <clears throat> the woman with the alabaster box stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with the tears and did wipe them with the t- hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Like, kissing like that comes out of a place of emotion. Luke 15 in the parable of the prodigal son, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw them and his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. That's not a wrestling move. For bam! No. He grabbed him around his neck and just held him and kissed him. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Acts twenty thirty seven, when Paul was leaving after ministering to the men of Ephesus for so much and they're, they're at the coast and he's getting ready to leave and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck. Again, this is not a wrestling debacle. They fall on Paul's neck and kissed him. I learned from a man a few years ago that loved me very much. I, I think he still does love me very much. And he used to do that kind of thing to me all the time. Every time I'd see him, he'd grab me and he'd just kiss me on my head. Just right back in here somewhere. It's a little, it's a little oily, but it's okay. Sometimes he had a mustache or a beard. It's a little prickly, 
but I knew he loved me. I knew he loved me. And I, I don't, I, if there's guys in here that I haven't kissed yet, I, I may have kissed, uh, well, we all know I've kissed Jeremy. <laughs> I might have kissed you, Shane. I think I kissed you. Not. I, don't be surprised, guys. Kisses are coming. Kisses are coming. Yeah, well, they smack different on the bald, but, <laughs> but, but, he, huh? Can we, can we get that over with today? <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're, if you're looking to get it over with, we'll skip it. But that was good. That's good. But it, this should come out of love and mutual respect and in and, and a genuine, innocent place, right? So they kissed out of emotion, and then, they, and then Moses informs Aaron out of a responsibility. Now, the responsibility comes, don't forget, Moses actually asked for Aaron to be the mouthpiece, which if you think about, and if I'm right that Aaron started his journey before the burning bush, God knew that Moses would have, and again, it's speculation, that Moses would have hesitation and would ask for someone else to speak on his behalf. Like, wow, (laughs) potentially, right? I don't know that. I'm not dogmatic about it, but maybe. But look at Luke 12. And when they had seen it, the shepherds, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Like, they couldn't not talk about the fact that Jesus had arrived. They got information and knew they had to communicate that information. That's literally what Moses does to Aaron. God told me, and I got to tell you this, it was out of responsibility. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, which Des was referring to, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. There is a responsibility to inform. And with that information comes a decision by the other entity, right? But that's our responsibility. We are to inform. And then <clears throat> next, they ministered unity. I think this is really cool. And Moses and Aaron, in verse 29, went together and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. So they go They gather. Now look at this. They each have their individual roles. I think this is so cool. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. So Moses to God to Moses, Moses to Aaron. We had a, a diagram about that a few weeks ago. And did the signs in the sight of the people. Who did the signs? Moses did the signs. Aaron didn't do the signs. They both had their responsibilities in the interaction. They both had their responsibilities in communicating to the leaders, to the elders of the children of Israel. Moses, I'm sorry, Aaron was the mouthpiece. Moses was the, I don't know, Vanna White. Look look at my rod. It's a snake. No, it's a rod, right? I don't know. I'm sorry. I I probably just minimized God's acting by calling him Vanna White. But, But you... Every good musician, magician has a, has, a, has a helper, right? So Aaron now is the mouthpiece. Moses is 
performing the miracles. And this is really cool. So we've already actually looked at this verse before, these verses just a few minutes ago. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we, Paul and the author, Luke, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us. Wait a second. You didn't have the vision, Luke? You, you weren't part of that, that dream, that vision. Ah, but the Lord had surely called us for to preach the gospel unto them. There will be times, there will be times when the Lord speaks to someone above you in ministry, someone who has shepherding responsibility, most commonly a pastor, and says, we are going to do this. God has called us to do this. And you can take great confidence, great confidence that you're part of that team. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't have to doubt that. Like Luke, pretty commonly accepted Luke wrote the book of Acts. We think this is the part where Luke actually joins the missionary team. Luke is a physician, probably in Troas, probably already following the Lord because he's not called a son of Paul like uh, Titus or Timothy is, he probably hooks up, he's probably a little more mature in the faith, and he goes with Paul as part of the missionary team. How did he know that he was called for to preach the gospel unto them? Because God specifically called Paul, and he knew he was supposed to go with Paul. That sort of situation happens, and it happens here. There are a group of people who are fixing to go to Vietnam because the Lord called Andrew Ong to Vietnam. Wait a second. Did he call each of those people? Well, yes and no. He didn't specifically call them, but he caused them to follow Andrew. Right. Right. Fruitful result. Fruitful result. The people believed, they were submitted, they bowed their heads, and they worshipped. If, look, that's like, as a, as a minister, and I don't mean like as a, I don't know. I don't, I, when I got ordained, I didn't get a collar, a jacket, a, a hat. There was, there's nothing, I didn't, I joked with you all. I said I got a, a card to put on my dash for so I could park in the best spots at the hospital. I really didn't even get that. I, I get nothing that I can swing. I've got nothing... I've got, I don't, you know, if, if, I, if I go to the thing, I'm like, I'm a pastor. Like, with my wallet, so they can't see that I actually don't have anything in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, with the FBI pastor. Uh, you know, like, I didn't get a badge. I didn't get nothing. If somebody told me, if somebody told me when they, when, when, if Sam sat down and said, Mitch, we're going to ordain you. And the result of your ministry is that people will believe, they will be submitted to the Lord, and they will worship him. Done. I'm in. I'm in. That is the best result a minister could ever, ever have, is that people believe, people are submitted to the Lord's leading, know he's listening and responding, and that they worship the Lord.
that's the stuff. So victory principle number three, and you guys are just a little slow in listening. Unity in ministry is worth it. It takes work, at least specifically, like a couple weeks worth of walking and a little bit of catching up on two brothers that hadn't seen each other in a few decades. Making sure who's got... Okay, what are you going to say? Well, I'm not saying anything. You're saying it all. Okay, but you were showing me this stuff with the, the rod. Okay, I've got that. When are you going to do that? Well, I'm gonna, we're going to do it when we need to do it. Like, they're figuring all that out as they're walking back. Because the poor is dealing with, with their oldest healing. <laughs> Some of you know what I mean. So, <clears throat> Psalm 133.1. Behold, how good and pleasant is it, it is rather, for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's not just that, hey, our lives are great. I get it so alone. I get, Jeremy and I are just so, well, I don't want to keep using Jeremy. That'll sound weird. You know, yeah, Doug and I, I mean, we're so good friends. We just, we never have words and we, it's just wonderful. It's pleasant and good and pleasant to dwell with Doug in unity. No, sometimes that's going to be like Doug saying, hey, Mitch, you're, you, you really missed it when we needed X and you didn't follow through and, and that hurt. Or it's me going to Doug. Hey, Doug, like, why are you, like, why are you not making cool egg stuff and bringing it? Like, you need to sign up and bring some egg stuff. Like, come on. Amen, right. You need to get the recipe and bring the egg stuff. So sometimes those involve, hear me out, hard conversations. But the hard conversations have to be in love. And they have to be for the purpose of the ministry. And sometimes those hard conversations are not what either side want to hear or want to have to say. But boy, if the Lord has navigated... Can you imagine if Moses and Aaron, had, the Lord had done all that. He shows, he shows up to, in Egypt and tells Aaron. He shows up in the mount, uh, mountain and tells Moses and all that stuff. And then they meet each other and be like, you kind of put on some weight, Aaron. Well, your, your lisp has gotten worse, Moses. Like, <laughs> that, I don't, that's clearly not how it went down because they kissed and they connected and they were fruitful. Like, they connected in ministry. Hard conversations, hard things have to be said sometimes. Let's, 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 let's endeavor to connect together in ministry because the result will be people believing, people submitting to the Lord, and people worshiping him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the victory that we see. We're starting, this is, this is the beginning of amazing work that you do in front of Harrow, the beginning of the work that you've done in front of the children of Israel, they know that you heard them at this point because of the unity of two ministers. Thank you for this testimony. We just thank you for the details of it. I mean, just wow. Um, Lord, you're really, really good to us. And uh, just, Lord, whatever I failed in and communicating, just, Lord, just work it out. Use your Holy Spirit to teach what need to be taught it individually and and lord if there's something i need to fix or correct you know my heart i'm willing to do that we love you we look forward to how you'll use us and grow us in ministry in jesus name amen you guys have a great day uh and i am i can guarantee the chiefs will not lose today